Hi everyone, and welcome back to the 20th episode of the Let's Talk Law podcast with me, your host, Wendy M. This week, we'll be talking about another important Supreme Court case, so let's just get right into it. Before we can really get into this case, we should probably talk about the Fourth Amendment, since the whole case is kind of centered around it. The Fourth Amendment protects against unreasonable searches and seizures. It says, quote-unquote, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be seized and the persons or things to be seized, end quote. As we go through this week's episode, keep this amendment in mind. With that, we can jump right into the case, which is called Terry v. Ohio. On October 31st, 1963, in Cleveland, Ohio, Officer Martin McFadden, who had 39 years of police experience, was on his routine drive through downtown. While downtown, he spotted two men standing on the corner of Euclid Avenue. One of the men, who would later be identified as John W. Terry, would walk down the street, stop in front of a store, look through its window, and then briefly continue down the street before returning back to where he started, stopping on his way back to look through the store window again. The other man, Officer McFadden noticed, would do the same thing. This second man would later be identified as Richard Chilton. After Officer McFadden watched Terry and Chilton repeat these actions a total of about 24 times, McFadden saw a third man join them in walking up and down the street. McFadden suspected that the three men were casing a store in preparation for robbing it, and that they were carrying weapons to make their possible job easier. He followed and confronted them, identifying himself as a police officer. When he asked for the men's names, they mumbled their answers in response. To this, Officer McFadden frisked them. Frisking means when an officer checks a person for weapons by running their hands over the person's outer clothing. McFadden found that Terry had a pistol in his overcoat pocket and that Chilton had a revolver in his coat pocket. The third man that had just joined, who was later identified with the last name Katz, was unarmed. Terry and Chilton were arrested and charged with carrying concealed weapons. At trial, Terry's lawyer tried to suppress the evidence of the pistol by arguing that the frisk that McFadden performed was a violation of the Fourth Amendment. If it was a violation, then the pistol evidence could not be used. This is also called the exclusionary rule, which says that any evidence unreasonably or unconstitutionally obtained cannot be used in court. The trial judge, Bernard Friedman of the Cuyahoga County Common Pleas Court, found the men to be guilty on the basis that the stop and frisk was generally presumed to be legal. In this case, Judge Friedman said that the suspicious nature of the men and McFadden's concern for his safety made the frisk permissible. 
Stop and frisk is done by police and happens when an officer stops someone whom they suspect is involved with the crime. The officer briefly searches the person's clothing for weapons and questions them. All of this does not require the person's consent and is done without enough grounds to arrest the person. Stop and frisk have been used for a long time in American police forces, more historically viewed as a quote-unquote low-visibility police procedure. Up until 1960, when there were several major cases and changes to American criminal law, stop and frisks were largely ignored and dealt with ambiguously in courts. Terry appealed his decision to the Ohio District Court of Appeals, but it only affirmed his conviction. He then appealed to the Supreme Court of Ohio, which dismissed his appeal. In 1967, Terry appealed to the United States Supreme Court, which agreed to hear the case. The arguments were heard on December 12, 1967. A couple of months later, on June 10, 1968, the court made its decision. It was an 8-to-1 vote in favor of Officer McFadden and Ohio. The judges in this case were Warren, Black, Douglas, Harlan, Brennan, Stewart, White, Fortas, and Marshall. The majority opinion was written by Chief Justice Marshall, and he was joined by everyone but Justice Douglas. The court accepted Terry's argument that McFadden's stopping, questioning, and frisking of Terry and Chilton constituted actual searches and seizures under the Fourth Amendment. However, the court said that the searches and seizures were too limited and brief that it didn't require Officer McFadden to have probable cause beforehand. The court said that the officer's need to protect themselves outweighed the limited intrusion that happened and ruled that officers could stop and frisk individuals if they had a reasonable suspicion that a crime could happen and that they didn't need the higher level of probable cause. If you remember, probable cause is something more than a hunch but less than an actual fact. It can be a little ambiguous and hard to think about. Reasonable suspicion, on the other hand, is something a little less than probable cause but also more than just a plain assumption. The two have very thin lines which can be very confusing. The court said that this reasonable suspicion standard must apply both to the initial stop and the frisk. The officer must first have reasonable suspicion to stop a suspect in the first place, and the officer could frisk a stopped suspect if he or she had reasonable suspicion that the suspect was armed or dangerous or likely to involve weapons. Since the sole purpose of the frisk was to make sure the suspect isn't armed, the search was limited to patting down the suspect's outer clothing. When the court applied these principles to Officer McFadden's actions, they found that the reasonable suspicion standards had been met. McFadden had years of experience as a policeman and a detective and was able to explain what made him suspect Terry and the other men were doing to rob the store. He reasonably suspected that Terry was armed, so the search of Terry's clothing was permissible 
and did not violate Terry's Fourth Amendment rights. The dissenting opinion was written by Justice Douglas, who argued that the, both the court and the officers should be held by probable cause, not reasonable suspicion in cases like this. Years after the case has been decided, it's important to mention that stop and frisk can strain the relationship between police and the community that they patrol. If I had to give a quick summary of this case, then I would say that there was an officer who saw three men acting suspiciously. The officer approached the men, searched their clothing, and found weapons. The men argued that the weapons could not be used as evidence because the officer did not have a warrant to search them. However, the Supreme Court said that the officer had enough reasonable suspicion to search the men and that, therefore, the weapons could be used as evidence against them. I find this case really interesting because of the precedent that it set and how it answers a question that a lot of people might have. Before I end off this week's episode, I do want to make sure to add in our little fact of the week. This time is from Gainesville, Georgia, where it's illegal to eat fried chicken in any other way than with your bare hands. Gainesville, Georgia calls itself the poultry capital of the world, and this law has been around since 1965. In 2009, a 91-year-old visitor from Louisiana was charged with eating her chicken with a fork. Her citation was that she couldn't leave until she had finished the rest of her chicken with only her hands. Later, she was crowned the honorary Georgia poultry princess. Now that's something I never thought about. And so, that's the end of this week's episode. If you liked the episode or want to give me any suggestions, feel free to email me at letstalklawwm at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at Let's Talk Law Podcast. Remember to check back every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for a new episode. Until then, I'll speak to you next week. Bye!